0: I think for all the sensitive souls out there that are struggling and feeling like something's wrong with them or they're not enough to step up and be something like a warrior, I want them to know that we all have a warrior inside of us and that they can claim that and own it and step up in their truth.
1: I'm Brian Kramer, I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. Welcome to Humanly Possible, a podcast focused on small shifts that can make epic differences in our life and at work, I'll introduce our guest who is someone I admire, not just admire, somebody who's actually like a sister from another mother. And we'll probably even talk about that. And I'm totally honored to have on the show. She's an intuitive coach and a feminine leadership facilitator, Tina. Tina is here with us. She's Tina Myers, and she calls herself, and I think everybody can call her a, uh, uh, well, a uh, feminine leadership facilitator, but also she calls forth aliveness and open-hearted leadership in her clients. She is a former environmental and social justice attorney turned into a coach and champion of the human spirit. And Tina coaches high-performing women advocates and leaders, designs and leads feminine leadership programs for nonprofits, and is the founder of Women Advocates Rising and the Warrior School. We're going to talk about that. She also leads transformational coach training courses for the Leadership Development Company, Coactive Training Institute, and she has a master's degree in spiritual psychology. Remember, she was a lawyer and she has a master's in spiritual psychology. Can't wait to talk about that. Loves hip-hop dancing, and is obsessed with personal growth and now lives in knoxville tennessee having come recently from los angeles it's like a whole dancing um uh like you can just like plot this out like when you look at a pinball machine and you look at everything i just said it's like oh my god there's so much to talk about tina my sister um how are you thank you for being here
0: (laughs) I'm good and I, I don't know if I was allowed to giggle during your intro, but I couldn't help myself that <laughs> allowed in podcast land it's allowed it's allowed
1: It's so kind of weird when you listen to yourself being introed, and then all of a sudden you're like and and some people do it um you know off, and I like to do it on because I think that how often do you get to hear yourself being introduced, and I think it's kind of neat like. You get to um, you get to celebrate someone else. I like celebrating people, so that's just neat. For I I love to do that for people, and I think that's just fun. So anyway, I can't I couldn't wait to have you here and prep with you and do this. We we met because we went mostly through a leadership program with each other, and we had a, a unique connection uh, during that program, and it was uh, so fun. And so just like, wow. Um, should we even talk about that? Like, Yeah. I-, I mean,
0: well, first, thank you for having me, Brian. This is my, I'm just going to share. This is my cherry popping podcast experience. <laughs> so thank you for being my first in that way. And when you reached out, I just, uh, my heart exploded. I was just so honored to be oh. called forth by you in this way and yeah, when I think of Brian Kramer, I think of being on a tightrope, fifty feet above the ground between two trees, hoisted up in a ropes course, and literally feeling like I'm going to shit my pants and die. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I think of Brian Kramer. So,
1: yeah. yeah, we yeah. Uh, we you know we're under I guess some level of com- uh, confidence of what we actually did, but there's um, a moment there where um the two of us were locked in and we were both uniquely set up as as partners and uh we were both um going through physical pain like l- literally physical pain i had a hurt i had a a shoulder that had previously like like had its shoulder pulled out of its socket and i just couldn't hold on to the rope and you were like support a brain me.
0: injury. <laughs>
1: you had a brain injury and the two of us are like the least likely to make this thing happen.
0: <laughs> but we did it. We leaned into each other and looked into each other's eyes and we balanced on that tight rope. and to me it just shows the power of human connection in that way and Yeah. I just will always remember that moment, Brian.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. It's like a bond for life. Yeah. And um and I do want to... I, so I kind of want to celebrate that. Um, and now I want to talk about you uh, as your are um, in your journey and where you've been and where, where you're going. Um, so I'm going to jump right in and um, let's talk about one thing at or perhaps maybe earlier on in your life that felt small at the time, but ended up being a bigger shift for you.
0: You know, I've been thinking about this the past few days, knowing this time was coming. And um, I feel like the universe handed it to me on a platter in the sense that I literally experienced the same thing this morning. So um, it's really forming a relationship with my fear and my anxiety energy that's made the biggest shift for me. Um, Since I was a little girl, I've been a very sensitive, intuitive, creative, and a very anxious kid. Um, I still deal with major anxiety energy running through. I, I like to call it energy now, which is actually part of the shift. <laughs> right, is just naming it, not judging it as bad or wrong, um, but that it's actually energy that can fuel me and and guide me and communicate with me and has wisdom beneath it. So I think that's been the biggest shift for me is reframing my relationship with that energy. Um, as a kid, I just remember it was, it was always this paradox between being scared shitless to be seen, to come out and be heard, to step up and do a presentation in class, to have a boy, you know, see me. Any of those things were terrifying, like almost like a fight or flight, you know, palms sweating, wanting to throw up like terror response. And then also, at the same time, having this weird pull inside of me that I'm here to do epic shit. Like I'm here to be a leader. I'm here to stand up and do important work in the world. So that's been the theme since I was a kid throughout my life is something makes me want to vomit and I freaking step up and I do it. <laughs> and then I rock it, right? And then, then I, something makes me want to vomit and I step up and I do it. And it served me. And it has not always been easy, yeah.
1: What was a time that you, you were scared and you stepped up and it just like lit you up?
0: Mm, there there's so many. Um, this morning I was preparing and I made a list of, I called them toilet examples. <laughs> it's I, I hadn't heard them. that one before, but <laughs> I know, that's a good said, one. You said you want to keep it real here, Brian. Let's keep it real, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But when I think about all of those moments throughout my life, when I was stepping up to do something important, there's always the five minutes before where I'm literally going to the bathroom on the toilet, having a panic attack before stepping up and doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's normally a private time, (laughs) obviously, (laughs) for me. But I realize how important that time is and how I've learned skills to work with that and leverage that and actually let it fuel me. Yeah. In a way as I step up. Um yeah, I remember I remember as a kid, I in eighth grade, again, I was a shy, quiet, anxious little Glennon Doyle calls calls people anxious bunnies, which I think is really cute. And uh, do you know Glennon Doyle? I'm sure you do. I,
1: I don't. She's, oh, I you don't. don't?
0: Oh my goodness, you have to look her up. She's an amazing author and speaker. Okay. Um she calls them anxious bunnies, and I was that anxious bunny, and I for some reason decided I was going to run for student council in eighth grade. And I was not a popular kid. Like I was a smart kid that just kept to herself and kept quiet. And I did this whole campaign of like, see the light and vote for Tina. (laughs) And I had to step up and do a speech and all the rest of the kids running were the popular kids. And I remember like a lot of like the more nerdy kids were like, what are you doing? Like, I like you, but I'm going to vote for the popular kids. Like they're all like, why are you? Why are you putting yourself through this? Like you know you're not going to win, kind of thing. Um, and I remember having to step up and do that speech, and I was like, my sister gave me a half a Xanax before because I literally, thank God, <laughs> she had that, but I didn't have tools at that point, right? So Xanax is what I needed, but I did it. I stepped up and gave that speech. I lost, um, but I did it, and and that's just been. The theme. Um, when I was older, I went to law school, which that's kind of an odd choice, right? For someone who's like terrified <laughs> to speak up and present in front of people. <laughs> but I did it because, again, I had that urge. It's like I wanted to be heard and I wanted to lead. Um, yeah. And I just remember having to do moot court. Presentations and argue and and then when I got to be an actual lawyer, being asked to argue in front of the highest court in Maryland and literally shitting my pants <laughs> leading up to the to the moment, but stepping up and doing it.
1: Well, Tell me about that. What What happened there? Um, yeah, that that sounds like a big deal.
0: Yeah, you know, I had a um, amazing mentor when I was a lawyer. Her name was Jane, and. Um, she was the first person to show me that it's okay to be a woman and have a voice. Like as a kid, I made up for various reasons that, um, women are best quiet and being a martyr and giving everything of themselves and, um, not rocking the boat. And she kind of showed me like, you, you can do this, you can step up, you can own this. And Um, I lost a lot of weight, I remember, leading up to that court date because I was so nervous for weeks and weeks preparing and preparing. But I did it. I stepped up in front of a panel of like eight justices, the highest court in Maryland, and argued about some environmental pollution case that I I was, you know, we were suing the polluters. And again, we lost, but I did it. (laughs) I did it, yeah.
1: Oh, wow. What, um, what is that? What does it take to get up when you're feeling like that? Did it, um, did you like, was it like that roller coaster moment where I know that is for me. Um, when I get up on stage, even still to this day, um, it's the, it, it is that kind of five minutes before and then I get up and then it's like the first maybe. It's it's a little less now, but it's still like the first like 30 seconds to a minute and then I'm I'm done and then I'm I'm in my zone. Is that kind of how you feel or is it a little bit different than that?
0: It's been different throughout my life. Like at that point, I think I took a Xanax, to be honest, to help me do it and just I didn't know any different. That was my way of dealing. Um now I feel like I've done so much personal growth work and I've learned so many tools. So it' it's it's always that self-talk in those moments. It's kind of like I have to talk myself off the ledge. Like this morning, for example, when I woke up, I was in a terror when I woke up like knowing I had to do this podcast. And it, there's almost a part of me that's like, seriously, Tina, like we've gone through, like it's a podcast and we've done this a million times. Like we've done all these things that you've overcome. And every time you still have this fear response. But then the next thought was, oh, I'm going in the right direction. Like, oh, this means I'm pushing my comfort zone, which is my stake in life. Like that's, I'm gonna grow and I'm gonna keep challenging myself. So pat on the back, Tina. You don't have to call Brian and tell him that you have the flu and try to like flight response, right? Try to get out of it. You can show up. So it's it's really like, it's like I have two personalities that are kind of talking to each other and giving myself a pep talk before stepping up.
1: Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Thank you for sharing that too, because that's, that's, um, that's where everybody starts. That's where everybody is at. And that never kind of totally goes away before you, you get on something. Um, uh, you, you, you feel like you're always in front of a lot of people. And it's that, you know, we know from the training at CTI, it's that saboteur that says, what do I have to say that? not that anybody has to learn from us and um and it's it's interesting you know because uh our story is unique and when you tell it it's um it's so contextual and and it's so new and unique to you that it makes such a difference and just in what you said about going to the highest court and in your new years as a lawyer it's like well come on like yeah that doesn't happen to anybody or everybody um and and I'm also curious. Then, what? Um, how long did you practice law? Like, what what happened from there?
0: Um, five years. I I litigated and did environmental and social justice law in Maryland. And I um, again, I'm a sensitive soul. And so, at that time, and maybe it's shifted in the legal world since then. Um, I really thought I had to kind of act like a man to be for lack of a better expression in order to be respected. I remember sitting at a deposition table across from a bunch of corporate old white men (laughs) lawyers and having them wink at me and referring to me as the blonde or, um, there was, I was young, you know, I was in my upper twenties, early thirties and, um, I just, I felt like I had to put armor on, but in a bad way, like kind of, I had to close down any sensitivity or emotions that I had in order to kind of be a tough advocate and step up. And then I would get home at night and cry because I just, my soul was not happy with this. Like there was something about this model of like, you're wrong, I'm right. And I'm not going to listen to you. And there's no third way um, my sensitive soul was just not thriving in that. I believed in the cause I was fighting for. I wanted like environmental protection and justice and social justice and all of that. And it just, the structure that I was in was not serving me or in alignment. Um, so that was really my first experience following my intuition and taking a huge leap of faith that was not logical and didn't make sense to a lot of people. By stepping up and quitting my job and going to spiritual psychology school in california,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
0: yeah, oh man is right yeah old woman one
1: um, yeah. um what how did that go like what did that help like i don't even know how that would um how that would come to be, how did you find it how did then you trans make the transition and get into it T- tell me about it
0: well mostly in the beginning i was in the closet for lack of a better term like around, like i would at home cry by myself like i wouldn't tell anyone that i was having these doubts or questioning um, i remember going to the public library one day cuz i was really lost i was searching cuz you know here i am a lawyer i went to law school i'm paying off law school debt like you don't just like up and quit your job and do some unaccredited, hippy-dippy spiritual program in California. And I was successful as a lawyer, Brian. Like I had won the Bar Association like most distinguished environmental advocate award. Like I was doing well for outsiders to see looking in. Um, and I remember having to tell my mom that I was gonna quit my job before I even did it, even told my boss. And I was having a panic attack that even just having to tell her And I remember my best friend saying to me, Tina, your mom, if you, if you, if you stay in this job, that's soul sucking for you, you're going to get depressed. And then your mom's going to be like, why are you depressed? (laughs) You know, so, so why not just do the thing that makes you happy? And then she'll be happy that you're happy kind of thing. So I did, I stepped up and had that difficult conversation. And then I'll never forget having to tell my boss that i was going to quit cuz she didn't see it coming like nobody knew that i was secretly like researching spiritual programs and all of these numerology and astrology and praying to angels and doing meditating <laughs> and i was learning about coaching and all these things secretly on the side um yeah but oh, i did wow. it
1: <laughs> and and then you went to school and um was was that was that a relief?
0: It was, it was, um, I actually enrolled and then I unenrolled cause I got scared. Like all my saboteurs as we would say, or my fears kicked in. Um, cause it was huge. I mean, I was uh, going to move across the country to California without a job lined up. Like I, my apartment lease was ending in Baltimore. I had already given my notice at my job, like in all the. It was like all based on intuition alone. Like on the outside, people are like, what are you smoking? You know? Um, So the fear did take over and I unenrolled and panicked. Um, And a friend of mine ended up going to the program and she's like, Tina, it's awesome. You should come. So I I ended up going after like a month or two, I joined late. Um, And that was something I learned too, because my intuition told me to go. My fear told me to unenroll. And then once I unenrolled, I was depressed. Like I I just felt completely lost. Like what have I done? I just ruined my entire legal career. (laughs) And now I just chickened out of this thing that I was trusting myself to do. And it it was almost like my body told me you're going in the wrong direction. Because I felt physically like I gained weight. I dyed my hair dark, which is fine for... People, But in a way for me, it was kind of like I was hiding, you know, like I didn't want to be seen. So my body told me like, you, you've got to do this. <laughs> it's kind of like you need to listen to your intuition right now, almost for survival. Um, so I did. And um, it was life changing. It was talk about epic, epic changes. It, it, it literally gave me full permission to really be who I am and to own it. And to realize that, oh, all that sensitivity, all that anxiety is actually my super people say that now, like there's memes like, oh, your sensitivity is your superpower, your empathy is your superpower. I feel like people throw that around now. It's kind of trendy. But I didn't know that. That no one was, you know, no one was saying that then. <laughs> yeah.
1: So mm-hmm. and, and uh it's interesting you say that because um I I was a slow uh like mover in that direction because I was in advertising marketing all those years in agency world. And I had a much, um, my pivot came later than yours. And, and, um, and when I went into the leadership, uh, program with you is when I found my, wait, who are these people?
0: (laughs) What is this thing
1: called coaching? (laughs) Oh. What
0: kind of cult is this? <laughs>
1: what is this?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, so um, um, so I get what you're saying. Um, when so then you went through the program and you now said what?
0: I actually met um one of my best friends, Christy, who is faculty for the Coactive Training Institute. Oh, uh, Christy Mann, and yeah. she used to come up to me and be like, "You need to come to CTI and." You're naturally coactive. And I was like, what the hell is coactive? What kind of, you know, like leave me alone, you know? And it's still, I had resistance to being seen. Um, that was one of the big things I learned from our leadership program, Brian, is that even when I think I'm hiding, I'm still having an impact. Um, I'm actually not hiding, right? So even if I'm being silent in the corner in a meeting or in a room, my silence is still having an impact on the group. I'm still being seen whether, I, whether I'm telling myself or I'm hiding or not. Um, and that, that's led to big shifts for me too, because it's like, oh, I may as well be more intentional about my impact. If I'm, if I'm going to be seen whether I want to or not, even though it's still to this day very uncomfortable for me, I may as well have an impact that I want to have as opposed to just by default impacting the space. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, that makes sense for me. I want to make sure it makes sense for others because I contextually understand it because I went through the program with you. Um, and so what I think, what I think, um, what I think you're, I hear you saying is that, and what I love about that is that, um, that while you're, you're, you're sitting in a a circle, a group, a meeting, a a conference, a, a space, and, and you're trying to be in the background, you're, you're, you're literally, trying to be in the background, you're still having an impact whether you like it or not.
0: Like think about it when you're in a meeting and someone's silent, whether they're like kind of grumpy or they're checked out and checking their email on Zoom or whatever, there's an impact on the group. Like people feel that energy and they start making up stories about it, right? So it's like, oh, are they pissed or are they this or are they that? So no one's really hiding even (laughs) even if you're being quiet. And that was always my strategy as a kid was to just be silent and try to hide in the corner. And there was lots of really good survival reasons for that to make keep the peace and not rock the boat and all the things. Um, but now I've, I've learned tools to give the introvert in me time to rest and go inside and then come out and then rest and then come out.
1: It's so funny, you and I, um, <laughs> we're, we're both on this rope together as people that are, <laughs> uh, you, you, you are that person in that space. And I'm the person in the space who's like, it's a little awkward in the room. So I better throw a joke out. Like people would need to, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying. And I'm the opposite. <laughs> I'm the person who's going to throw something into the space. So- yeah. Whoa
0: <laughs> but as a kid i must I, I would I'd be curious like I feel like as a kid that was probably a skill that you used or a strategy you used too no
1: yes, yes, oh yeah, yeah 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 that's totally right, yeah, um, which I now have to teach myself to not do, and since that yeah. program, like hey, yeah. just let the space it's okay, let it go. you don't have to be funny or try to be funny all the time <laughs> so i've I've learned a lot since then um. So, okay. So you're, um, so now you, you're, uh, and I want to get to the warrior part because that's yeah, really yeah. where I'm fascinated. But right before we get there, your leadership and your coaching is really where everything kind of transpired, transpired, I, I think. And so walk, uh, walk us through that. Like how did you, you now kind of just like fell into your own, I think, and what happened there?
0: Yeah, well, I started out doing intuitive um, and numerology coaching. So before I went to CTI, I did this, you know, sort of online training. There's a lot of coach training online that you can find. Um, They're everywhere. Yeah, but I'm grateful for that because that helped me tap into my intuition, um, which I now know is a very powerful coaching skill. Um, and actually one of my superpowers so it's like yes I might be a scaredy pants and yes I might have anxiety but I'm also I can go very deep with people because of that I have a huge empathy muscle and a huge intuition muscle so that taught me about that and then also kind of got me into the spiritual realm of like numerology and astrology and sort of believing in the universe or higher power whatever that looks like and um that that now is a very non-negotiable part of my coaching and leadership work, um, helping people quiet, center, ground themselves, and listen to their intuition and make decisions from that place. So, can I,
1: can I ask you a question about that? How do you know that your intuition what is telling you something? Um, it, it, sometimes you you think you heard it, but do you, it's maybe it's it's, it's a noise. And sometimes it's your intuition. Do you know what I mean by that?
0: Yeah. Like, is it your fear talking or is it your intuition talking or your ego? Which one's which? Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I mean, it's different for everybody. I know I have to get out of my head to access my intuition. So if there's fear around it and it's, or judgment judgments or self doubts, it's not my intuition. When my when I actually can get into my body and get into my breath and I hear my intuition, it's clear. It's calm, it's neutral, and it's simple, and it's clear. There's no clutter. There's no noise or confusion or overwhelm or judgment. Um, that's the experience for me. I think it's different for a lot of people.
1: And do you have um, to center yourself? Do you meditate to do that? Or is there a, a process to getting yourself there?
0: Yeah. I mean, for example, this morning, just because why not use... <laughs> Today I I couldn't meditate even because I had so much fear and like that trauma response or that fight or flight was flowing through me. So my sister came over and we literally walked around the block like many many times just to physically move that energy out of me. Um and then I was able to come back to my apartment and breathe close my eyes do more of a meditative you know get into more of a meditative state so that I could be more grounded and access my inner wisdom. Um, so sometimes you've got to do other things, I think, to clean out all the fear energy and the clutter before you can really hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I, I see what you're saying. It's different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. I have to walk.
0: Do you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Walking is my, my, if I don't walk, it's my oxygen. It, it is my oxygen. I have to go do that. It's movement that gets me. Uh, if I don't do it one day, I can notice it the next day. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that resonates loudly. Um, okay. So I kind of took us off path there. You were um, you were talking about leadership and coaching in your path.
0: Yeah. So I, I did the intuitive program and then I ended up at CTI. I worked in the corporate department for five years, um, bringing the coach training and leadership development into companies. Um, and I also took all their courses while I was there and got certified as a coach. And um, so I've been coaching now for about eight years and I'm now on faculty for CTI. So I now teach the coach training courses. So yeah, I have one-on-one coaching clients. And then I also have launched my life purpose, baby creation (laughs) warrior school this past fall, uh, which is a feminine leadership program for women leaders and activists.
1: Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's where I want to spend the the last uh, part of our time. And right before we dig into that, um, what is the one thing that you just absolutely have loved being um and stepping into about um really embracing your coaching uh your coachness i just I'll make that up
0: yeah <laughs> my coachability, <Your> coachability.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
0: mm. I think it just feels true I think um my whole life I've been on this journey to find something that feels in alignment with my inner truth and it just feels like i am fully authentically myself when i'm coaching and leading i've gotten i've done the hard work and i've i've gone up the mountain and i've arranged my life now to be surrounded by people that are like-minded and supportive and just seeing other women give themselves that permission to find their truth and to speak it it's just um, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It me, me too. It's it's so fulfilling.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and that's also, the end of the show. No, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Thanks, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mic dropped there. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, so warriors. Uh, we let's I mean we uh there's so much in what uh let's just start with what what a warrior is.
0: Yeah, well, what I was gonna say before, which is related, um we live in a patriarch patriarchal society, or at least we're on our way out of it. I, I believe, but um, that's how it's been set up for better or for worse. And I do feel that our society tells women and the feminine that it needs to be small and it needs to be quiet and not have a voice. In many ways, a lot—at least a lot of us—that has been our experience growing up. Um, and so, warrior school to me is this place that gives women permission to find their voice, find their power, express themselves vulnerably, lean into sisterhood with other women. I, I really believe the feminine energy, both in women and in men, and anyone that identifies as either, is so magical and so powerful. And in a lot of ways, our society has suppressed it. And I heard Lynn Twist's, Is an author, I heard her once say that our society has been like an eagle flying around with one wing tied behind its back. So it's like the masculine is allowed to flap, but the feminine's not. And the masculine wing is almost getting overdeveloped. So it's kind of like we just need to bring the world back into balance so that both of those can flap equally. And it'll almost give the masculine like a a breath of relief in a way like they don't have to overcompensate anymore (laughs) because that balance can come back um and that's really what I'm wanting not to sound too kooky but I have a vision for the world that the patriarchy is dissolving and that the feminine is rising and that's that's part of my life purpose and when I think of a warrior, I, I don't know, I'm not a marketer, but I couldn't help but notice that the word war flipped upside down is raw. <laughs> and so it makes me think about being an open-hearted warrior, being vulnerable and using that as your strength and as a leader and enrolling others with that vulnerability. Yeah. So that's that's what I think of when I think of a warrior.
1: Oh my gosh. that That's so... Um, the raw part is not what you normally would think of when you think of a warrior so you're redefining warrior um in what we all have been brought up to think um which makes sense um it's such a big goal
0: yeah the old way is really like conquer or be conquered right it's like you have to wipe out the other person so that you can survive or it's like a zero sum game like not everybody can win only one person can win and bringing the feminine into it is, it's just more of a, um, there's more of an inclusive, honest energy. There's a compassionate energy. There's room for vulnerability and still fierceness and still protectiveness and all of that good stuff. So it's, it's different for sure.
1: What, um, how do you see, like, how do you see people showing up differently after stepping into their warrior?
0: Yeah, you know, last night we just had a little celebration. The graduates from the first cohort um, did a Zoom call with me and um, they physically look lighter. Like Mm. they look like a weight has been lifted off of them. Um, I've had some of them, you know, one woman had a job offer that didn't feel right for her, like a quote promotion, and she turned it down because it didn't feel right in her body, even though on the outside that looked like a bad work, a bad business move, right. Or illogical. And just the fact that she was listening to her body and actually acting on it in that way, it it changed everything from her, for her. And when I see her now, it's like, you can see her child. She's joyful and giddy and lit up in a different way than she was before. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, oh, that's beautiful.
0: And um, also the sisterhood too. There's something about a lot of us have been conditioned as women to compete with each other. Yeah. Um, for men or for whatever, right? It's just kind of ingrained in us and having like a sisterhood where they can really lean into each other and trust each other and be vulnerable and release anger and ask for what they need and draw healthy boundaries. It's, it's super cool. They like love each other. <laughs> it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah.
1: So um, let's just leave on this last piece on um, what you want next. What do you, what do you want for all the warriors out there that don't know yet what's possible, but you, you want to bring to them?
0: I think for all the sensitive souls out there that are struggling and um, feeling like something's wrong with them or um, they're not enough to step up and be something like a warrior. I, I want them to know that we all have a warrior inside of us and that they can claim that and own it and step up in their truth. Um, and what I want is a thousand warrior school grads within the next 10 months, because I feel like the more this community expands, um, the more the patriarchy is going to start to dissolve.
1: Way to claim it. I love it. I love it. While being their true selves, while being vulnerable, while still dancing into themselves and, and sharing of themselves and, and, um, uh, asking them to be, you know, who they really are. I love that. I love that. I love how you're showing up in the world. That's why I asked you to be on the podcast. And I still go back to that moment when we were just up there and, 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 uh, and not knowing how this was all going to turn out for both of us and look at us now. So I'm just like in awe of what you've, what, what you've done just in the last two years. And I can only imagine what's going to happen. And I hope you'll come back in two years and share what's, what those thousand people, probably 10,000 people at that point, what's going to happen then. So um, my friend, thank you. Thanks so much for sharing.
0: Thanks, Brian. It's been so fun being here with you. And I'm just so proud of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we'll, we'll see you soon and, and, uh, give er, give everybody a a way that they can find you.
0: Um, yeah, my website is womenadvocatesrising.com and that's where they can find out about warrior school and my one-on-one coaching and all that good stuff.
1: Well, we'll, we'll also link it up in the show notes and they can can, uh, find you there.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Brian.
1: We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe. We love having subscribers just like you. Download a few more episodes. And if you feel moved, we would so appreciate a review. I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.